Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. Joining us from Tightline Outdoors, because Nate is lost in the woods somewhere, and we don't know when he'll find his way out, is Dustin Siegler. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. We always like to take a shot at Nate. We love Nate, and he's one of our best contributors, but whenever we can, we never miss a chance to take a shot at him. So, but, oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, and he is out in the woods doing his thing. He is. He's hunting. I've seen the posts. He's a he's a great outdoorsman. He really is. Dustin, um, you're with Tightline Outdoors, and you probably heard me alluding with uh, Austin in the previous segment a little bit about the changing conditions in the walleyes. Um, I, I know you've been doing a lot of walleye fishing on the front range and even as far as McConaughey and things, but let's start with the front range. What's it been like, and what do you think this cold front is going to do with the snow and the drastic temperature changes? Um, sure. Yeah, you know, Terry, um, the metro area has uh, just a phenomenal walleye fishery altogether. Um, we guide on three of, of some of the better walleye fishing uh, bodies of water in the state, uh, Cherry Creek, uh, Roller Reservoir, and Chatfield uh, being those three. And um, I don't think this cold front is really going to do uh, much besides get them more active and, and get them to continue to feed how they have been. Um, the bite's been phenomenal uh, across all three bodies of water. Um, Cherry Creek, of course, having excessive forage. Uh, the walleye are very healthy. Um, the abundance of forage just means that you have to understand the system and, and the walleye's mood day to day, making sure you present the right lure with the right cadence um, to the most active fish. Um, cadence kind of being the key factor in all of these bodies of water. Um, but you just have great odds at uh, landing a trophy fish this time of year. Um, and, and mainly that's just because the females are developing their eggs and, and just packing on winter weight uh, just to labor the winter um, until spring for that spawn. So um, for a, a warm water species, I think uh, this is one of the most active times of the year uh, that we see them uh, feeding up. So yeah, I, I, I um, couldn't agree more. I think in, in the, the two times when we tend to be able to more effectively target big fish, are spring and fall, and they're for different reasons. And in the spring, if you get a cold front like this, it can just shut things down. And anglers hear about cold fronts shutting fishing down. They they experience it in the spring and early summer. But you mentioned that it doesn't do that in this time of the year. In fact, it actually will accelerate the fishing a lot of times. In fact, we normally would have a little colder water than we do right now. And I got a feeling, and I, I know you're going to echo this, that after this snow and cold goes through and the water, the temperature stabilized towards the end of the week, we could see some of the best fall fishing, some of the best fishing of the year, don't you think? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, the bite has been phenomenal. Um, you know, we had that kind of real early September, um, you know, cold front that moved in and kind of set the presence for fall. And um, now with this next uh, severe cold front, it's just going to uh, carry through till ice up and these fish um, being that the forage base in the system you know the weak tend to uh, start uh, dying off in a sense and and the walleye take sense to that and and know it's time to feed up heavily 
Um, so the bike should just be phenomenal across all bodies of water in the uh, metro area, for sure. And that stressed bait fish um, really brings the fish together. That's what makes the big fish, you alluded to it, um, those, uh, the big fish are getting what's called hyperphagia. They're trying to fatten up for the winter, and they see this vulnerable bait. And that's one of the few times when the big fish are actually a lot of times feeding in with maybe smaller year classes. A lot of times you have to change your tactics, but you can, you can find a lot of those fish together, especially if you find the bait. So do you look for the bait first and then fish, or do you kind of do a combination? And then after you find them, how do you start approaching them? Oh yeah, so I'm I'm always looking. Of course, if you find bait, you find fish. Um, you know, but with uh, bodies of water like Cherry Creek, where um, you have a hard time not finding bait fish, <laughs> they're so abundant in that body of water. Um, really, you're looking for kind of a, a a combined bait fish and walleye population together. Um, that just kind of tells you you have active feeding fish in the area. And then you're just trying to find presentations that can um, best suit the depth that you're finding those fish in. So a lot of times I'm, I'm really throwing a lot of reaction bait this time of year. I've kind of put live bait down. Um, the faster I can fish uh, for these fish just means I'm covering water quicker and I'm finding active fish quicker. Um, with that being said, blade baits, uh, just like the XPS blade from Bass Pro or Thin Fishers, um, as well as jigging wraps or glide baits and um, and slab spoons typically are, are some of the fastest um, cycling lures that you can buy and and are fantastic presentations for this time of year. Um, I do want to note also in there jerk baits are something that gets overlooked in the fall. It's a high calorie looking presentation to uh, a hungry walleye and and oftentimes can uh, trigger them depending on the cadence you're giving that lure, but um, cadence being key is, is something I'm always looking at and changing day to day based on, um, a lot of factors, but, um, yeah, I mean, this time of year, those are, those are kind of my techniques and, and adjusting my cadence to the fish within the bait fish is kind of the key, uh, to getting, uh, those bigger fish to go. Now, are you using the jerk baits more in shallower water when they're up there and then the blades and the spoons when they're deeper? Um, in a sense, yes. You know, there are times I have caught uh, several walleye, actually, um, in all these bodies of water um, where the, the jerk bait is maybe a perfect 10 rogue or a deep diving shadow wrap, something that gets to 10 foot, um, and these fish are holding on, you know, 15 foot of structure, 12 to 15 foot, and that jerk bait's just above their head, and they're able to come up and, and eat that. But uh, shallow water also in that five to 10 foot range, I'll throw jerk baits, blades and jigging wraps on those as well. So um, I wouldn't say you're really limited to a certain presentation per depth, unless you're really talking, you know, anywhere above 25 feet of water. Uh, at that point, I'm changing up tactics, of course, but uh, I would say shallow water being that uh, five to 15 foot, I, I will use all these tactics um, and get those bigger fish to go. You know, for years, um, we've been using jigging spoons. I actually wrote articles for in Fishermen, both in the magazine and in their books, about using jigging spoons back in the 90s. And we've been using blade baits off and on from the 60s. They kind of come in and out of favor. But the use of the jigging wraps or the Johnny darters or those type of glide baits over the last few years has really 
become a, a huge component of that type of fishing. You mentioned cadence a lot. How do you, what do you start out with, and how do you change your cadence when you're fishing those deeper or those reaction baits that have that kind of weight to them? Sure. Yeah, I'm. You know, Terry, the biggest thing is um, it's day to day. I've noticed uh, one day I can go out and uh, work a blade bait, extremely aggressive or jigging wrap. Um, snapping them, getting multiple vibrations or, or long, high movements out of those lures, um, and that's triggering a bite. And then there's days I go out and do that, and uh, the fish want nothing to do with it, and I have to uh, resort to more of a pull as opposed to a snap. So, And that's kind of the way I present it to anybody I take out on the boat. Um, and, and the biggest reason I say cadence is key is I've had several trips where um, I'm taking clients out and and one person on the boat is just whacking fish. You know, there'll be four or five fish up on the other anglers, and they all have the same lure, um, but it's the way they're working that. They've found out what the fish want that time of day, whether it was a, a slow pull, a more methodical presentation, or if it was kind of an erratic, um, aggressive approach. And it all depends on kind of the fish's attitude for that day, um, whether there's a cold front coming or has just went. Uh, they can, depending on how the bait fish reacted to that cold front, that's going to change uh, kind of your presentation and how you need to uh, work that bait to get those fish to uh, cooperate with you. Now, a couple things I want to cover. One very quickly, and the one will spend a little time. The first very quickly, we're going to see extremely cold weather and snow for the next two, three days. And it's going to take them maybe Wednesday or Thursday of next week to start warming up. Um, a spo- if I don't want to... Um, maybe brave that cold if i'm ready to go thursday friday saturday next week which of these lakes would you hit first um you know all of them are going to be productive i'm not going to lie to you um i would spend a lot of time uh between cherry creek and aurora those two bodies of water in my opinion have some of the better fall fishing and chatfield is right there with them i mean they're they're all exceptional i would probably spend my my time on uh, cherry creek and um, just for that trophy fish um, opportunity. Uh, There's been several trophy fish landed. Um, I've pulled a 31-incher out of Cherry Creek just in the last uh, three weeks, and um, and several over 28 inches have been caught through this fall kind of transition. And uh, so if I'm trophy fishing, I'm going to Cherry Creek, and, and I'm really dialing in the blade bait and the jigging wrap bite, and uh, doing everything I can, you know, the excessive forage out there um, makes it for possibly less bites, but you're, when you get those bites, they're typically uh, much better fish. Um, Aurora Reservoir, I would be at second to that, um, and I would just be fishing aggressive with same techniques, jerk baits, blades, jigging wraps, and, and uh, just getting sheer numbers out there. Um, they have a, a phenomenal average walleye population out there in that 17 to 20 inch range and uh, you can find very good success at both bodies of water all right and the last one i want to spend a little time on and that's lake mcconaughey it came up just a mention in the last segment that this time of the year is a good time to go to lake mcconaughey i know it's a lake that you know very well and it's near and dear to your heart i've done some tv shows out there this time of the year the water is down which a lot of people will think, wow, I don't know. But I think with the water where it's at this year and the the health of that fishery, a trip to McConaughey may be a great choice this fall, don't you think? 
Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, that the capacity right now at McConaughey's uh, right in that 62 to 65% range. And so with that being said, you have a lot of the new growth of trees that are, that are no longer submerged in that lake. And so you're actually getting a lot of the fish to start roaming um, and just chase uh, big schools of owlwife and gizzard shad. And uh, so your opportunity to uh, tie into a very large fish at McConaughey this time of year with the current water conditions is exponentially higher than you would uh, when the, the lake is close to full pool and, um, and you have all of the trees to work through and find your fish. Um, people are having extremely good success uh, doing the slabbing bite, which is a, a, just a lead spoon that you're ripping, um, you know, one to two feet off bottom and then slack lining it back to bottom. Um, the mouths of all of the main coves seem to be very productive. And even with the low water levels, uh, McConaughey does have low water boat ramps, so you don't have to worry about possibly getting your truck stuck. Um, they have concrete ramps for this occasion. It's an irrigation lake, so getting on the water isn't a problem. And then finding the fish is going to be your only uh, real trick is getting on them at the right time and, and presenting that bait just right for them. And when you find fish at McConaughey, especially when they're relating to that bait, it's not going to be just walleyes, is it? Oh, not at all. No, you get a plethora. You know, I just did a trip out there a couple of weeks ago, and, um, you know, I think we landed seven different species, anywhere from pike, white bass, wiper. Um, you have the occasional perch, um, large walleye, of course, and uh, all these species, uh, catfish is another uh, easy one to get out there, but they're all together kind of feeding on these giant schools of owlwife. Um, and I'll, I'll note on that, I, I was out there and there was probably about a mile and a half long stretch of bait fish, um, about 20 foot deep, um, and, and just incredible amount of forage in that lake for these fish. So as long as you can find uh, active fish around those bait balls, um, you're, you're going to be just fine as long as you're there at the right time. All right, we are out of time, but if people want more information from you guys, it's tightlineoutdoors.com, tightlineoutdoors on Facebook, and we want to thank you, Dustin, for joining us. Thank you very much, Terry. It's a pleasure being on. You bet. That's Dustin Sigler from Tightline Outdoors. We're going to take a timeout, and we come back. Um, we're going to be joined by Colton from Jack's Outdoors, and we're going to talk uh, – ammunition and firearms this time of the year with big game and a lot of other things going on. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Competition in other Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors. Before we go to this segment, though, I want to mention we were talking about the jigging spoons at Big Mac, McConaughey, and I actually have a video on my YouTube channel uh, best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, doing just that this time of the year where we're fishing those slab spoons for the walleyes. It's just a great way to go fishing. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us from the, he's the hunting department manager at the newest Jack's Outdoor Gear location, and that's Colton Stoltz. Good morning, Colton. Good morning, Terry. Hey, it's, uh, hopefully you're not getting too much smoke there yet. I don't think you're even in the store today. I know you're calling on your own time, but we're going to talk about, um, big game or big game partially, but 
rifles and ammunition, there's a few things going on out there. There's been a lot of new calibers that have come online that people, you know, they're used to hearing about .30-06 and .308s and even .30-30s back up in Minnesota. But there's, you know, you got different cartridges that they've really been advances. There's newer rifles. And I think picking out the right ammunition, the right firearm, we've still got another big game rifle season coming. Or maybe somebody were out and they were a little dissatisfied with the performance of of what's out there. What are some of your thoughts? And first of all, do you have some ammunition and is, is ammunition available? Yes, of course, Terry. We do have a, a good amount of ammunition coming in. Uh, not too much of the pistol calibers, but we do have a good fair selection of rifle calibers, um, you know, ranging from 243 all the way up to, you know, 300 wind mag. Um, as far as, you know, a good caliber, I know, you know, like you were saying, 3030 and 30-06, that was a big popularity. Um, for a long time, but I know the 300 Win Mag and like the 300 Winchester Short Mag, those are seem like they're be, becoming a lot more popular than what they have been. Um, so that's that's definitely a good choice if you're going to be hunting here in the mountains of Colorado. Now, if, if you're looking, and I think the 300 Win Mag, you and I have spoke before. You look at that as probably your all-around rifle that you could take all the way up to. Uh, elk and moose right and it could still hunt deer with it you just it's it's probably as as big as you'd want to go to hunt deer yet but it really covers all the big game in colorado doesn't it yes uh the 300 wind mag that's that's a fantastic ground to choose for you know north america hunting um there have been quite a few different professional hunters that say you know you can take just about anything on the north american continent with uh, a 300 wind mag it's just you want to be careful about which grain of bullet you choose. You know, just like you're saying, uh, deer, antelope, you probably want to choose a, a smaller cal- or a smaller grain round, you know, down below 180. But uh, for elk and moose, you'd want to choose something above 180 grain. And you've got and selections, and it really depends. When somebody comes into the store and they need ammunition, I imagine you start out by what are you hunting and what kind of terrain are you hunting. Is that right? Yes, that's right, Terry. Uh, you know, the main thing we want to do when somebody comes in the store and express interest in uh, getting some ammunition or a firearm is kind of finding out what they're going to be using it for. You know, are they going to use it for long-range shooting? Or are they going to use it for some big game animals? And then, you know, once you kind of find out which way they're going to go, uh, you want to assess which big game animal they're actually going to go for. Um, and so if it's, you know, something that's a little bit heavier-bodied animal, like an elk or moose or bear, you want to choose a, a definitely a bigger round that's going to have a lot more power behind it, um, just so that way, you know, they get that penetration they're looking for. Now, if you're hunting just maybe deer and pronghorn, I'm hearing a lot about the 6.5 Creedmoor. What makes that so popular? Uh, so that, you know, that's becoming definitely a lot more popular round. You know, a couple of years ago, you, you didn't see too many rifles, uh, put in that caliber uh but definitely as far as our selection at the store we have a good selection of 6.5 creedmoor rifles and you know a lot of people are liking that one just because you know it, it shoots flat for a long ways uh most people can hold real good groups with it you know even with just like let's say the ruger american right out of the box um that one you know it's not too pricey of a rifle but it does shoot real well uh even just right out of the box without having to change anything now, is that 6.5 Creedmoor, do you think that's probably a too little, too light for elk? Would you probably move up to the 300 if you were going elk hunting and keep the and the 6.5 maybe is more for deer and, and pronghorn? 
Yes, correct. Yeah, as far as uh, you know, my knowledge, the 6.5 Creedmoor, that's, that'd be a little light for elk hunting. I have heard of, you know, some hunters using it, but I, I wouldn't trust it for an elk. I'd definitely go something a little bit bigger. Uh, you know, the 6.5 Creedmoor, like you're saying, it'd be good for a, more of a light-skinned animal like deer or antelope, but once you start moving up into elk, moose, or bear, that's that just doesn't have enough to put them down, you know, ethically, I don't believe. Yeah, and it, like you said, it shoots so flat. It's an easy gun for a, a beginner, especially if you're going pronghorn. You might be taking just a little longer shot. Uh, sounds like a great choice. Speaking of that, suppose I, I'm unhappy with what I've got or I can't find the type of ammunition anymore that suits what I do for my, my old 308, or I just want to move up to a new gun. Um, I understand you guys are uh, you're at the newest store. Why don't you tell people where your store is located? Um, so our store is located in the old Kmart building on uh, the corner of Wilson and uh, Eisenhower. Right in the west side of Loveland. Yes, sir. Yeah. And you just, at, you know, the store opened the soft opening a while ago, and you guys are still getting things in. But I understand you have your firearms uh, in there now. So do you have a pretty good selection of rifles if I was to come in? Yes. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, firearm selection, we do have a fair amount of pistols. You know, those go out pretty quickly because they're in high demand. But as far as long guns, we have a good selection of you know different shotguns if you're looking for a pump shotgun or a a single shot or over and under or even an auto loading shotgun and then you know moving into rifles uh we have a real good selection of rifles we got a couple lever actions you know a lot of bolts uh no autos yet as far as any kind of uh rifle but you know we range in calibers from you know 22 250 all the way up to you know the 300 win mag or the 300 winchester short mag and as far as the the price range, you know, that does vary from, you know, the mid-400s all the way up to, you know, the $1,000 mark, just depending on what you're looking for. So we definitely have a firearm that will fit anyone. Now, you mentioned one earlier from Ruger. If I come in, I believe it was Ruger, if I come in, uh, is that a good rifle for me to get started with? Oh, yes. Yeah, the Ruger American, you know, that's kind of a tried-and-true uh, rifle. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a very good rifle to start out with uh like i said we got a couple different calibers in that and different models uh not too heavy a rifle um so it, it's good for you know either your youth hunter or you know the men or women hunters but definitely a real solid rifle with a, a great price point and uh definitely a lot of versatility with that rifle and what calibers is it available in um, so, as far as the calibers that we have uh, right now, I believe we'll have a 22-250. Um, I believe we've got a lot of 6.5 Creedmoors right now. I believe we might have a 308 win on the shelf right now. Um, but, yeah, it does it does come in all different calibers. So, you know, if you don't find the rifle that you're looking for in the store, that's definitely something we could special order for you. So, we'll definitely take care of them. You know, one thing I didn't talk to you about in the past, but... I always felt that the fit of a rifle or shotgun were extremely important. Are most of today's rifles adjustable enough for that? Yes, uh, we've got a a couple of Savage uh, rifles in there, and they've got the different adjustable lengths of pull as well as uh, a good different stock adjustments that you can put. They're just different pieces that you can uh, put on the rifle uh, to customize it more for the the shooter. And then uh, we've also got a rifle in there. uh, It's a Bagara and that does come with uh, adjustable stocks. Um, so that's another really good rifle that's uh, kind of coming new to the market. It's been out a little bit, 
it's uh, it's pretty fresh. And then uh, real quick on the shotguns, you have a decent selection of shotguns. Pheasant season, it's going to be a challenging pheasant season this year. And I think that um, we've been, we've talked quite a bit about pheasant hunting already in the last couple of weeks, that there's going to be birds out there, but you want to make that shot pay. What kind of, do you have the guns for pheasant hunters and what, what do you have to offer there? Oh, yes. We, uh, we've got a good selection of uh, shotguns. So, We've got, uh, we just got in some new, uh, we got some Stevenson, got some Pointer. Uh, we definitely have a couple different Weatherbees, a lot of different Benelli's ranging from, you know, the the Nova to the Supernova to the Super Black Eagle 2, the Super Black Eagle 3. Uh, we got a Vinci. Uh, so we definitely have a very good selection of shotguns right now. And then, like I said, we even got some single shots out there. Uh, we got, looks like, uh, 12 and 20 gauge not too much in the 16 or 28 gauge or 410 right now um but as far as the majority of what you need is pheasant hunting it'd probably be that 20 gauge or 20 or 12 gauge right now but yeah definitely a good selection for uh your pheasant hunting i'm actually glad you don't have a lot of 410s my parents started me on a 410 single shot which has a pattern about the size of your hand and i've never forgiven them for that but <laughs> <laughs> difficult to hit it that was my first shotgun and my first deer rifle with the slug but you had to shoot what you had back then i guess but that's what it was last thing before we go um there's still one big elk season left i know the calling is uh going to be less and less as we get into the later seasons but i understand you're pretty well stocked on elk calls is that right yes we do have a good selection as well of the elk calls uh mainly we got the primos line and then the hunter specialties but you know, we've got everything from, uh, you know, the different diaphragms to the bugles to the, just the mouth calls. And then we also even got a couple of those hoochie mamas, which are just a, a push squeak call. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got a little bit of everything. But, yeah, like you said, it's kind of winding down as far as the calling. But, yeah, we've got just about everything in there. All right. And tell people again where they can find your store. Of course, Jax has locations up and down the front range. But where's your store located again? Uh, so it's going to be on the northwest corner of Wilson and Eisenhower. All right, right as you head out of Loveland, and of course you can't head up 34 right now, so it'd be a good place to stop and do a little shopping. Uh, Colton, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey. All right, Colton from uh, Jack's Outdoor Gear, great guy, knowledgeable people at these stores. I mean, they're they're just uh, they just know their stuff. It's really great to talk to them. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we might talk to somebody else who kind of knows his stuff, and that's Ronnie Castiglione right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I just can't remember who to send Another, to. another great performer. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. Uh, joining us from Fishful Thinker is Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. First thing I want to, uh, do you have any updates on what's open in Larimer County? Well, I, I can tell you horse tooth is open. Uh, I'm sitting on horse tooth right now. So um, actually Larimer County Parks put out a, a press release late last night that, that came to me um, and said that all of the open spaces for the most part had opened back up. It looks like so horse tooth, horse tooth park was open as well. Pinewood was open. Flat irons was open. Um, there was one or two day-use areas that were a little closer up the canyon going towards Estes that were still closed, Terry. 
Carter Lake was the only one I did not see on the press release. It didn't say whether it was open or whether it was closed. So that's really the only one I couldn't speak about, Terry. And with the changing conditions, I would tell people that check online or call the parks before you go if you're driving any distance because these fires are going to change rapidly today. Now, Ronnie, we, um, by the way, we did get an update that they are evacuating from Estes all the way down to Drake right now, so it's not looking good up there. But, um, Ronnie, before we, uh, what I want to talk to you about, we've talked on and off during the program today about vertical types of fishing like jigging spoons and glide baits and blade baits. And I know you do a lot of vertical jigging yourself with both those baits and other types of configurations. I want to, we haven't talked though about the rods and reels and how you set up. I mean, it's really important if you want to present things right to have the right setup, isn't it? It really is, Terry. There's a, there's a lot of different things that come in play when you're out there doing the vertical jigging approach. And you definitely got to have the right rod, the right reel, and uh, the right line. And so, you know, people are going to have their preferences. There's no doubt about that. But for the most part, I'd say, let's talk about the rod. You need a fairly a fairly stout rod when you go about doing these presentations because it tends to be that, one, we're using pretty heavy baits, you know, pretty heavy lures. And so you got to have a heavy rod that's got enough tip to it. The other thing is that when you're fishing, let's say, 50, 60 feet deep, and maybe you've cast it out a good ways and allowed it to fall that to that depth, you're a good distance off from your presentation. So when you get bit way out on the end of that, you've got to have a stout enough rod to be able to get the hook into the fish. And so I can't tell you how many times I've had that friends show up to, you know, come do this style of fishing this time of year, and their presentation isn't quite right. You know, their rod maybe is a little too light or they've got too light a line, and they, they're just not able to drive the hook into the fish when they set the hook. So the stiff rod, maybe something like a medium-heavy 6.6 to 7-foot spinning rod, something in that range is, is what I tend to go to. Uh, I like to use casting rods a lot of the times as well, and a lot of times those will be a 7-foot medium-heavy, um, that sort of a thing, Terry. So now as far as the reels, another recommendation I would make is that you, you need to have a real high-speed reel. You want a reel that eats up a lot of line. Um, for kind of that same reason, so that when you set the hook at a distance, you can get tight on that fish in a hurry. You can eat up all that slack. And if that fish comes vertical at you real, real fast, you got to be able to keep the pressure on that fish. You don't want any slack between you and that fish, especially with these heavy metal presentations that we're utilizing, because if you get any slack between you and that fish, that fish shakes its head, Terry. You can just picture that big old heavy lure flopping around off that front of that fish, and they have a tendency to throw those presentations when they do that. So you got to have a fast reel, something, you know, 6 4 to 1, something like that as far as a spin reel. Or, you know, my casting reels that I really like to use for this kind of presentation, those are all 9 3 to 1. So they really eat up a lot of line on every turn of the handle, Terry. Well, you're absolutely right about how they throw the hook. And one of the things, and I know everybody goes back and back, you need some backbone because you make a lot of times that presentation is a snap, and you don't want to just have the rod tip moving and not the lure. But sometimes you need a little bit of giving that rod tip also to keep that line tight when you're playing those fish. How do you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely, Terry. And, and for me, I know a lot of guys like to utilize braid for this kind of presentation. Um 
I personally prefer straight fluorocarbon when I'm doing the vertical jigging approach. And one of the things, just like you're mentioning, is is I do want to have a little bit of stretch. I want to have a little bit of flex so that I do have the ability to play those fish, especially when they get near the boat, that they don't surge and tend to rip. So it tends to be that I, I, I compensate for that with the line as opposed to the rod itself. But that's just kind of how I go about it. You can definitely utilize braid, but then maybe you want to tip on your medium heavy rod that's a little bit softer so that you have that flex. You know, adjusting the drag is also very, very important when you're utilizing this kind of presentation. When those fish get up near the boat, they're definitely going to surge a lot of times. So, but you don't want to have a real soft drag when you're, you know, out on the very end of it fishing 50 feet deep. So you got to be able to play that drag as that fish gets up next to the boat. And kind of a combination of all those things will help you land more fish when you're going about this style of fishing, Terry. Now, you mentioned you like fluorocarbon. A lot of people use braid with a fluorocarbon leader. What kind of line uh, breaking, uh, pound breaking test do you like? So I... I kind of settled right on that 12-pound test mark for a lot of the presentations I use, Terry. Uh, 12-pound test, 100% fluorocarbon. That tends to have enough, you know, enough power that I can get the hook into the fish, uh, but it's not so heavy that, one, the line is kind of overpowering the presentation as it falls. It's also not so heavy that I feel like, you know, I'm not getting bites. So somewhere in that 12, maybe 10-pound if I go down to a smaller presentation, some of the smaller ones that are more in that quarter-ounce range. I may throw those on 10-pound test fluorocarbon, but the heavier presentations, you know, half-ounce and above, I usually go with 12 and try not to get much heavier heavier than that. Now, if I was utilizing braid, I definitely do utilize braid sometimes, and I have clients utilize braid a lot of times, uh, then it's going to be somewhere in that, let's say, 15 to 20 pound braid, something like that, with maybe a 12 to, you know, 10, maybe 15 at the most pounds fluorocarbon leader on that. All right. So before I let you go, Ronnie, you're out on horse tooth. What's the fishing like, and what other bites have you heard up in the northern front range here? I haven't heard a whole heck of a lot for the last week just because a lot of things have been shut down. Boyd's been fishing, you know, kind of hit and miss, but there are fish being caught at Boyd right now. Uh, horse dude so far this morning has been fairly good. I've only been out here for about an hour, but, you know, I've landed 10 or so fish already. And it's kind of been that they're they're in sort of the general areas that they're moving to as the water gets colder. They're not quite there yet in bulk. Um, the big key this time of year, Terry, is, is definitely running around this lake and looking for the bait fish. Uh, there's a lot of bait in the lake. There's no doubt about it. There's smelt everywhere. There's some shad in a lot of the areas. Uh, my, my thing to kind of narrow that down to make the lake feel smaller is I'll run around and I'll try to find the areas where those clouds of bait, those big clouds of smelt, are hitting the bank, Terry. If I can find them hitting the bank in that, say, 40 to 30, maybe 20-foot range, something like that. Those are the areas I'm going to focus on. And a lot of times, too, if I can find bait fish at that depth hitting the bank near a transition or on a transition, somewhere where I have rocks spilling off into dirt or, or maybe real thick bouldery rock that changes into gravel, somewhere where I can find a transition where there's transition kind of happening down at that depth and there's bait fish there, almost always there's going to be some predators right there as well, Terry. So that's kind of what I do is I run around, scan a lot of the areas on the lake, and I don't really fish a lot of spots until I see what I'm looking for like that, Terry. One last question. we got some real cold weather with some potential snow coming in the spring. That shuts the fishing down. I think this time of the year it probably gets it going a little better. How do you say I'm going to 
wait till this weather passes, go out maybe next Thursday, Friday. Uh, what, how do you expect that to affect the fishing at Horsetooth? I think if anything, it's, it's going to make it better. Um, right now we have fish that are a little bit spread out through the water column, although the bait fish are kind of grouped up at a particular depth this morning. Um, I'm seeing kind of predators that are suspended in the water column. I'm seeing a lot of fish that are real shallow in the water column, out open water, that kind of thing. As the water gets a little bit colder, it's, and to give you an idea, Terry, water temperature right now is 53 degrees. That's what I'm seeing up here. So, you know, as we get into those low 50s, upper 40s, uh, these fish will kind of settle in and, and kind of get into their wintry areas. So over the next few weeks, you know, the fishing will actually become more predictable. However, it will also become a lot more hit and miss as far as where you're at on this lake. So there'll be a lot of areas that you can fish, and you won't catch anything, but you'll find grouped-up schools of fish in particular areas. Once you find those schools of fish, you'll be able to run through a lot of fish in short order. So, um, you know, run around a lot. Don't don't spend a lot of time trying to grind it out in one spot. Utilize your electronics. Scan a lot of stuff. Only fish the stuff that looks good and kind of dial it in like that. And the fishing will just get better and better here in the next few weeks. And, and really, it will become more predictable as far as that vertical bite goes. All right, my friend, we're out of time. If they want more information, how do they find you? You can find me, Ronnie Castiglione, on Facebook. You can find me, Ronnie, at Fishful Thinker. Um, and you can find me on this show on occasion, Terry. Yeah, uh, more than one occasion. We love having you on, Ronnie. Thanks for joining us. All right, buddy. You have a good one. Yeah, Ronnie Castiglione. Before we go to this break, I do want to mention that our partners at ANA Toppers are still having their October fall sale. Um, I should have mentioned it earlier in the show, but they have some great deals. They're giving $100 off on a lot of accessories and toppers and tonneau covers, and they've got some accessories that cost up to $100 that they're throwing in for free. So if you were thinking of buying that accessory, that rack, that top, that tonneau cover, you need to go to anatoppers.com right now and check them out. And when you stop by, tell them Terry told you to come in. We'll take a break. When we come back, um, I'm going to wrap up the show. i got some things I want to talk to you about. And Terry works from outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. It's all Are we catering to Dan Jacobs now? Is that what we're doing with the bumper music? I think that's a great idea. <laughs> Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Um, before we get to the esteemed judge, Jan, Dan Jacobs, a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, the fires. Folks, if you are planning some outdoor activities, please stay away from the fire areas. Give these people room to work, and our thoughts and prayers are with the people up in there. We've got last report we got is they're evacuating Highway 34 from Estes all the way down to Drake, and the fire was only a mile from Estes, and the winds are howling up there. So hopefully they'll get a handle on that, and things are good. So do that. But that being said, there's still plenty of places to go outdoors and uh, enjoy things. Just kind of call and look and check and plan before you go. If you're a hunter, you're a big game hunter and you, uh, your area is closed or you think it's closed because of the fires, I posted on my Facebook page a uh, interview we did a couple weeks ago with Parks and Wildlife on what to do if your restrictions are keeping you out of your area that you've drawn. Uh, you do have options to get refunds and get your points back, and you can buy an over-the-counter license, but there are some options there. So listen to that. It'll explain to you. If you go to my Facebook page, Terry Wicks from Outdoors, and I think you just got to, 
probably scroll down maybe one post. It's probably the second post on the page right now. I just reposted it uh, yesterday, so you can see that there. Also on our YouTube channel, a lot of the a lot of the fishing we talked about today is going to be available in a lot of parts of the state and also up in uh, Glendale, Wyoming, and McConaughey. After this snow go- event goes through, you're going to see that fishing take off. There is a lot of information on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, doing just that kind of fishing right on those lakes. So take a look at that. It'll give you some ideas. It'll teach you how to approach those and even show you right on the waters around here that you want to fish. Now, Mr. Dan Jacobs, I'm going to have to talk to Kyle about this Beatles music, but let's talk some some Denver Broncos uh are the Denver Broncos in this game on Sunday? Well, the way I'm looking at it is we haven't had a playoff game around here in a long, long time. This is not a playoff game for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs could care less, to be honest with you. They, they, they've shown that at varying times they're, they're disinterested in games. Uh, they think they can flip the switch, play a video game, and, and win the game whenever they want. It's, not, it's of no particular importance uh, to, to the Chiefs. They just want to win the game like they want to win any game. This is a playoff game for the Denver Broncos. They approach it like that with that type of urgency, and they go out there with that mindset. The Chiefs can be beaten. The Chiefs beat themselves. And the Chiefs have been beaten this year by the Raiders. I don't think anybody at the beginning of the season said, oh, the Raiders are a miles ahead of the Denver Broncos. Did you, Terry? Oh no, I not by by I thought the Raiders were up and coming but I didn't think they were especially before the injuries hit. I never I would have picked the Broncos ahead of them. There you go. So the Chiefs can be beaten. The Broncos, if they beat the Chiefs, they are on the track to make the playoffs. If they don't beat the Chiefs, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. So they need to treat this game like it's a playoff game. Now, a couple things are going to come into play. I want to talk about the weather in a minute, but before I do, I've been listening and paying attention to what's going on with personnel and the offensive coordinator. I think we're going to see a lot more two tight end sets this tomorrow than people know. Yeah, we absolutely could. I mean, it's the weather's not going to be good. The, uh, the, the formula is to run the ball on the Chiefs, control the clock. Um, it, the Broncos certainly didn't have a lot of success, you know, trying to get in the end zone and going deep, you know, against the Patriots. So, I think they're, they're going to try and follow that formula to control the, the line of scrimmage. Uh, two, two tight ends would certainly help them in that goal. Well, and I also think that um, from my days playing in college that I loved it when there was snowy weather and we were passing because I think the offense has an advantage, especially if you can set up a little bit of a run because now your pass rushers are stuck in the, in the slippery turf. They're not getting through if you're they're watching for the runner and then the tight end or the good receiver knows where he's going and the defensive back doesn't. And I think two tight ends keeps them back on their heels. And I think you'll see maybe a combination of uh, Noah Fant and maybe another fast tight end might be active tomorrow that we saw a couple weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the funny, the fascinating thing about this game is we have absolutely no idea what it's going to be. Is it going to be that the Chiefs come out and score 40 points, or is it going to be one of those games where the Broncos are able to control? You know, it's going to be more like the Patriots games last week with a bunch of field goals and a low-scoring affair. It's going to be fascinating to see how this game unfolds. 
All right. Well, I'm going to close down my show and make well, sure I did, that I no did, more. Uh, real quick, Terry, I did notice you qualified when you described the Eagles. You said the greatest American band of all time. And I noticed you did that because you wanted to pay homage to the Beatles and their rightful place in history. So I appreciate that. I'm not anti-Beatles. And they made a lot of good records. The Eagles outsold them in the United States, and I care about American culture. And you will not hear the Beatles again if I have anything. I'll be having a long talk with Kyle. <laughs> have a great <laughs> All day, right. You have a great show, and I'm not really mad at Kyle. Thanks, Kyle, for making the show go and being part of it. As yeah. always, thanks to Karen for uh, helping keep me on track. And you two guys, Karen and, and Kyle, when we're doing this from home, you guys are critical. You really make it work. So thank both of you. People, be aware of the fires. Keep posted. Get outside. There's places to go. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and Dan Jacobs in sports on 104.3 The Fan.